Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. podcast, Betsy and I are going to have a conversation about pain and healing. We've been through a lot in the last couple years, and we continue to see a lot of pain in the world. And so today, we're going to share some thoughts on where we are as individuals and how we can talk about this as a collective. This is a big topic, Betsy. This is a big topic, especially in light of just all the pain that keeps showing up in our culture. And ironically, Kate and I this week are on a healing retreat in Costa Rica. And so the theme of the week has been just deep healing. How do we heal ourselves physically, energetically, mentally, emotionally, and really start to tune into our wise self? So the topic is really um, right in front of us all week as we watch 34 women and one brave man uh, diving and doing their own internal healing. Yeah. And you often say um, it really all starts with the individual, right? That's how we yeah. collectively heal. Individuals work, um, acknowledging the pain inside all of us. And that's a challenge sometimes to, to face for a lot of individuals. Um, but it's certainly something that I know I've been working on over the last many years and it does feel a bit like the work is never fully done. (laughs) Is that fair to say, Betsy? It's totally fair to say. I mean, I would love to give people the 10 point plan for how you heal and then move on to have this easy, joyful, blissful life. But I go back to the teaching that I speak of so many times that in life, um, this comes from Buddhist philosophy, there's 10,000 joys and there's 10,000 sorrows. So we do have pain. We all have pain. We will all face pain. We'll get through pain and have joy again, and then the pain will return. So it really is a process. So I don't, I agree, Kate, I don't think we ever have an end point. And I guess that I get really inspired by those people in my life and my teachers that I see continuing to sort of push the edge of their own healing that it's never like oh I made it now I'm just gonna you know now I'm just gonna back down and glide through life it's like a it's a constant realization that there's always another layer to to clear and to work with yeah I've been really struck by how dysregulated all of our nervous systems are after the past couple of years. That's really been evident this week. Um, and then that there's a lot of physical body pain yeah. for people because we've been holding all of this in our bodies. Yeah. 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 And the first day of this re- retreat, we talked about uh, nervous system dysregulation. And I think 
I talked about, I put like six things up on the board and almost everyone raised their hands. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling of being wired and tired. It's the feeling of um, exhaustion. It's sleep issues. It's muscular tension. It's digestive issues. It's headaches. Um, so I think you're right that it would be a rare person who's lived through these last couple of years that doesn't have some dysregulation of their nervous system, especially if you're, you know, in a high stress job, you have children, you have all kinds of things on your plate. We're all really dysregulated, but we don't, we haven't defined it that way. We don't know. We just think it's normal and it's not normal. Like we aren't meant to stay in this fight elevated, yeah, fight flight space all the time. It's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our minds. It's not good for our well-being. We can't make good decisions from that space. Um, yeah, and what I've noticed this week is just observing all these brave people who came to do their own healing work is that the first couple of days are rough. Like when you really commit, I mean, you're in this gorgeous space, but when you really commit to like looking in, um, the first couple of days, you can, I can almost feel like people off gassing <laughs> their stress and I can feel like the speed in their bodies, like suddenly they're at a slower pace and they don't quite know what to do with it. They're uncomfortable. And it's yeah. uncomfortable. You can see people's legs shaking and yeah, like letting ourselves return to where we're supposed to be, where we're, we're made to be, this more homeostasis. Gosh, people, it's like, and in a way, don't you think we get addicted to the stress or we get addicted to living this way? Yes. And, and to your point, it, it's, it's so pervasive. Like it's all yeah. of us have been through the same trauma. Yeah. And so I think we've normalized it for each other. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I can't sleep either. Neither can I. Um, yeah. I, I, I will be vulnerable and say I, a few months ago, was like, I don't know what's going on with me. Like I all of the things you just said, memory problems, mm. um, my body's starting to tighten up. I, um, I definitely felt burned out. But then I was like, well, everyone's burned out. Yeah. You know, I'm not special. Like, but um, I just, you know, five days into this have realized I was, I needed to pause or I, I couldn't have kept up the pace that I was yeah. at. Um, and it's a reset that, um, you know, we're going to, we can talk about ways people can do that, um, on a daily basis, but it's a reset. I think we all need to seek because it isn't, yeah. it isn't sustainable and it's leading to people, you know, making big decisions from a place of kind of a high pain. elevation and mm -hmm. a place of being really, um, overly, yeah, overly stressed. And, and we also know that we're not, you know, we're actually not able when we're so elevated in our stress levels, we're not able to connect with people. We're not able to make really good, clear decisions. So I agree that we're all, we've all, again, I just want to normalize for all of us what we've been through. And, you know, even if it was just, you had a, a fairly, this is such an oxymoron, normal pandemic. Um, there are so many people that lost jobs. There are so many people who lost relationships, whose kids really struggled, who, you know, there's so many extra things on top of just going through the fear of, what's happening to our planet. Um, so just normalizing that um, all of us are pretty um, dysregulated right now. Yeah. yeah. And the mental health, I mean, we talk about it a lot in, I mean, as a society around the mental health numbers yeah. and the growing number of diagnoses and 
individuals identifying. Um, talk a little bit about that because there's also, I feel like not a quick fix for this. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, certainly when things are at a place where there's, you know, you've yeah. got to get people help and there's not enough help out there. Yeah. Um, but how do you, how do we also try to avoid getting to that, to that level of needing that yeah. kind of help? Well, yeah, clearly, you know, it's been the research is showing that we are in a crisis mental health wise. I think it's one out of three, one out of four people have now a diagnosable um, mental health disorder. And how did we get here? I mean, was it just pandemic? I mean, clearly social distancing and all the extra stressors and all the unknown and the anxiety was not helpful for anyone's mental health. But I really think we're looking at a, a bigger imbalance that's been happening for a long time in our planet and we can see it everywhere we can see it in mother earth and how imbalanced she is right now we can see it in our school systems we can see it in our government we can see it in our own health we can see it in our relationships we can see it in our own selves that like the the energy which you could call yin yang energy you could call shiva shakti you could call masculine feminine it's like we've been so out of whack and we need to be able to find that that middle ground again so i think that this has been all brewing i mean i I also think that they were they were already predicting that mental health was going to be a problem coming down the road, like the World Health Organization was saying that, but it just sped it up much yes. quicker because of the pandemic. But we've we've been seeing this trend. You know, why are so many people depressed? Why are so many people um, not living a, a good, expansive life? And I think it's so multifactorial that I don't think we can ever break it down on this podcast, but it is, it's food, it's rest, it's sleep, it's good relationship, it's time to sit in stillness, uh, it is moving, it is being in connection with something bigger than yourself. There are so many factors that as we, I think, have disconnected from earth, the earth energy, yep we've disconnected from kind of our natural knowing that, yeah, I should go to bed when it's dark and wake up when it's light. I should eat plant-based foods. I should get out and walk to work. I should be around people who make me feel good, not people who feel toxic and drain me. And what are the numbing mm, patterns that yeah. I have that just really, because really the only way it's pain. We're all, we're all in yeah, pain. We're all in pain. And there's no way you can't around it you can't you know build a bridge over it no we try don't no, we we do we, we try do. and that's I I do think that's um also what's caught up with this is that we are disconnected from the earth and we disconnected from our feelings and that's been a huge we talked about that a lot this insight week. this week and how many people have come up to me many people with really um deeply long educations, right? That are realizing like, I don't feel, I don't feel, I think. We're all good at thinking. We're all good at thinking. And we've all gone through educational systems that have told us that if, you know, you get good grades and you get advanced degrees and you get a good job and yet we've become so distanced from our capacity to feel. 
And so one of the things we've been exploring this week is all the ways we numb. And of those ways, what have spoken to you or what do you see in your own life? Well, being in this environment, you, you unplug. So certainly, you know, our phones and, and social media and this kind of faux connection we have with everyone mm -hmm. um, becomes really apparent. Um, so that's one for me. I think, um, I think there's just so many avoidance things that uh, when, when you go on any type of like, when you remove yourself from your current, you know, your normal environment, daily environment and put yourself, um, on any type of travel where you're in a new place, a new, your senses are heightened. you yeah. you suddenly realize, oh, I haven't looked at my phone in two days. I haven't, I haven't looked at Facebook all week. Like yeah. you realize that those are just escapes that you have. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's a beautiful place. And, and when you travel, you see new things, but those things are also all around us in our current environment. We yeah. just don't plug into them the same way. Yeah. Um, so it's a yeah. eye-opening. Yeah, it is. And I do think that um, our culture has sort of bamboozled us into, you know, there's like a thousand ways to numb now. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Remember um, there was one stream? Right, like uh, <laughs> uh, all the different websites you can go on. Um, pornography sites that are just a fingertip away. Food, I mean, all uh, food is a great number. Alcohol, I mean, those alcohol sales that skyrocketed when the pandemic began. And we were giving it away. We were giving it to people in the streets, literally. You could carry out alcohol, remember? And everyone right. cheered and it was like, finally right and because we're so damn afraid to feel yes you know cornerstone of any addiction whether it's food internet sex alcohol is an unwillingness to feel you don't want to feel yourself you don't want to feel your pain you don't want to feel what's really going on and so you numb yourself but the only way through is to feel it to see it to know it to make friends with it that's the only way it will ever fully release and go away. But we're all so scared, myself included. I mean, I've been doing this healing work for 20, 30 years, and it still terrifies. I'm going off to a retreat for myself next week, and I'm terrified. And I keep, I keep trying to talk myself out of it, like, nah, you don't have to go to that. You know enough. Just Right. Just get home. I'm like, no, I'm I'm scared of looking at myself in a deeper way. And this is what I'm guiding all my clients and my students to do, but it's there and why? Why are we scared? Why do you think we're scared? I think it's how we're socialized, how we grow up, how we are socialized to everything is so external, right? Our our education systems, the way that we're raised. It's it's, you know, we talked a lot about having a voice and uh, I've heard a lot of women say this week I was always told you're you're too much you're too much you're too loud wow and those things are like women remembering who said that to them and what age they were and it is stuck in it's stuck with them yeah and so we don't voice our feelings we don't necessarily process until there's a breakdown mm -hmm. until there's some the body breaks down either we emotionally we break down or there's some major go through a death, a yes. divorce, a job you're broken loss, open. you're broken up and 
Yeah. And then in some ways, then you're forced to do the There's healing work right. because you're in, you're in so much pain and you don't, you can't numb it anymore. And I want to talk about that because it's, you know, it's been a challenging week in a way because we're sitting here in a difficult, you know, another school shooting happened in Texas. We're not, we're, we know that that occurred. You know, we've, a lot of us have been processing that here too, in light of being in this space and working individually on ourselves, but collectively, um, I have this feeling like our world, our country, it, it's breaking open. Yeah. And people are, there's this collective kind of rising that's happening. Yeah. And it's not unlike what you do as an individual. It's like looking inside yourself and saying, is this really what I want? And I feel like we're in a place in our country where we're like, is this really who we are? Mm. Is this, are these the values that we have? So, yeah. you know, at what point do we stop taking care of each other? Same thing's happening with the climate. People are saying, and young people especially are screaming, please, mm. like this is not, this mm. is not sustainable. So I feel like we are at a tipping point. Yeah. Um, so it's like the individual healing <laughs> and collective. collective. So I guess that's a really good question and good direction to take this conversation is um, because I'll speak for myself. I can feel very overwhelmed when I look at the the problems of the world. Like how do you how do you tackle poverty? How do you tackle gun control? How do you how do you tackle these things? How do I? I'm speaking from an individual level. Like how do I, Betsy, deal with these things? And some of my wise teachers have really helped me see that because we are all interconnected, that I am not separate from Kate, and Kate is not separate from. Steve and Steve is not separate from Mike and right we're all like we're all so interconnected as human beings that when one of us heals when one of us clears ourselves when one of us is able to um, essentially heal and elevate our energy we actually heal the whole right right so it does take um it does it is going to take a tipping point but it doesn't mean the entire planet has to do the healing work. Like um, my teacher, Deepak Chopra, you always said, if we can get a billion people to meditate, that's the tipping point. Like if a billion people wake up, if a billion people do their healing work, that's the tipping point. So I do see that. I do see more people on these journeys of self-awakening and wanting to heal their own inner demons, wanting to heal their own inner pain and when enough of us do that, I do think that healing can come to the whole because we're not separate from each other. Right. It's like the collective consciousness. Like yeah. how do we shift that by individual work? It yeah. starts with the individual. It starts with the individual. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Was it Mahatma Gandhi who said, be the change that you want to see in the world, right? right? So you be the change. You do the change. You, you know, engage in the work and then that heals and changes the whole. And I do think part of the work for women especially is in your healing work, you find your voice again. Mm. Because the things that have been buried, the the things you've been told, Mm -hmm. you know, the restrictions that were put on you um, to not use your voice, um, we need more women's voices too. Yeah, we do. So I think that that's also a result that can be a, a byproduct yeah. of this healing is that 
we start to say we feel more comfortable using our voice for good, um, speaking our truth, and um, you know, letting our light shine, which then gives permission for others. Yeah. And, it, and then that's the big shift we've been talking a lot. You know, on the Marianne podcast, it's it's um, it's it's catching. It's yeah. like and, yeah. and and that's I think it's happening too. Yeah. I feel it. Um, but it's not easy work. It's not easy work. So let's talk about this throat and speaking truth and being honest and um, how we start to do that. Um, and I think about this from maybe more of an energetic perspective with my interest in energy medicine and chakras and healing. And the throat chakra, which is the energy center of the throat, it's about purification. And it's about releasing all the stories that no longer serve us, that get in the way of us being able to show our authentic self to the world, right? So I think so many of the constrictions we feel and the stories for women, it is stories we've been told. Like I was told a story at the age of five by you know, someone who's really harmed me at the time. Like you are a good girl, good girls keep their mouth shut. Well, that stayed with me. I'm still working through the imprint of that in my life, right? So, and that's one variation. I mean, do you have something about your voice? Were you told something about your voice? Yeah, I was trying to think. Um, I I entered a profession where it was my job to use my voice. Yeah. Um, however, the training for said job. So being, you know, when you go through law school, a lot of it is meant to intimidate, to um, make you feel like you're not measuring up. Um, so if you, if I, I probably felt it during that period of my life in my twenties, when I was like, my voice doesn't work here in this space. This isn't, um, I don't feel like I can speak. I remember things professors said to me and, and that probably a big reason why I felt out of place in law school. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of mostly male professors, but, mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I had, I had that professionally where I quit using my authentic voice yeah. and I started using a voice. The voice of the lawyer that you've yes. been, yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes. And I, I feel like I've been shifting away from that now for the last 20 years. Yeah. Trying to get back to my authentic, authentic voice. voice. Yeah. I, I have memories of being in college and graduate school and being the, the kid in class who was like super fascinated by the subject matter but was really scared. I naturally rarely hand. raised my hand and yeah. asked questions. Um, and for me, I think my voice broke open when I was 40 and I had unrelenting strep throat for an entire year. I that. Yeah, it didn't go away. My throat was really on fire and pissed off at me. Yeah. And almost to the point of me, you know, getting my tonsils taken out and but it, I, I can now see that that was really the start of a major healing chapter for me of getting rid of all the stories around how I could use my voice or how I couldn't use my voice probably is a better way to say it. Right. I love the saying, our issues live in our tissues. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And so if you're not facing your stuff. It will show up yeah. down the road as pain, random pain in your left foot. A uh, low back that keeps going out, 
um, a rib that keeps popping out. I mean, all these random things that we think are random, they are our body talking to us saying, you have pushed down a bunch of stuff that you've not dealt with. And so the only way we're going to get your attention yep. is with the pain. I mean, we both of us have talked about pain yes. and fatigue and things over the years that not that it didn't, it did show up on medical tests and there was emotional, psychological stuff right. underneath it that we had not yet faced or dealt with. And that's the mind body connection that is, I think, showing up for so many people right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I read somewhere we're entering, we are in this period of great uncertainty. The world will never be slower than it is at this very moment. It gives me a little bit of a pit in my stomach right now, especially because speed rushing through life is one of the ways we all numb out. So it doesn't slow down. Right. So then we have choices to make as individuals mm -hmm. and we have to be conscious about how we live and and what we take, what we choose to, to take in yeah. um, because the speed of information and, um, and, and there's a lot of fear with uncertainty too. So I think we're facing a period of just of maybe more fear about the future. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, facing our own, working through our own stuff, our own issues, I think just makes us more open to the uncertainty of it all and yeah. it, it helps it's going to help people navigate this next many yeah. years and yeah. and I think that's why it's so important yeah so I feel like we should be really you know clear about how do we start to look at our stuff right like yeah. what does you know what's this process like and do I need a professional and what if I don't have the money to go on a retreat? And how do I start to really be in deeper communion with myself, figure out my own imbalances, um, and figure out what my unique healing path looks like? Because it is, it's, it's not a seven-day retreat alone. No, it's, it's, it's not a seven-week program. It's not no. a seven-month, seven-year program. I mean, this is like I'll say for myself, I'm committed to my own healing for the rest of my life. And I know it will never end. It will always be another layer. There will always be something else. So I think the, the guidance that I would bring people is that you don't need to know exactly where to start. You just need to make the internal commitment to yourself that I want to heal. And it's almost like you put a message out there to the universe, like, I am ready to heal. I am ready to do some healing work. And then suddenly you'll be at Starbucks and there'll be a poster on the bulletin board there about some class that works into your schedule. Or you'll be standing in line at Starbucks and you'll hear someone say behind you, have you read the book? Blah, blah, blah. Or yeah, you'll get a text from a friend, listen to this podcast. So I really actually trust that when you make the declaration and that decision to say, I'm ready to heal my pain, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, sexual, whatever it is, I'm willing and ready. Then I feel like the universe conspires to bring you exactly the path because there's not one healing path. There's not one way. What did you, is it 10,000 signs a day? Um, We get one of my teachers says that there are, we get a thousand, 1000 signs a day from the universe 
that come in the form of synchronicities and animals and numbers and people and like it's like the magic of the interconnectedness of life is around us all the time but we're usually just so busy and stressed out and in our own heads and overwhelmed that we can't feel see or pick up on it but it's all around us all the time and the more making that decision that this is something that I want to commit to and starting to be a starting to tune into yourself um, and the thing the world around you and what it it will come up for you it will show up for you who you need will show up for you what your next step if you if you are really in tune will show up for you I really believe that that's it has happened that way for me and people I know um it's scary though because it does mean you surrender to that what shows up Yes, because for some people it's acupuncture, for some people it's a retreat, for some people it's walking, for some people it's yoga, for some people it's going to the library every week and checking out a different book on nutrition. I mean, I don't know what your healing path is going to look like or or what you have to heal, but I do trust that if you make that declaration and ask to be provided the resources that you need, they will show up. Yeah. And the power of this week for me that I would like to share is that. I wasn't tuning it. I wasn't quiet enough Mm. before in the last many months. Mm. I wasn't spending the time going inward and, and meditating or whatever that looks like for you, just holding space for myself. Mm. Um, I was flying through life. I was, you know, just onto the next thing, checking things off my list I just get here, maybe I'll have some space for a 15 minute walk. If I just, but it, I wasn't really tuning into myself. And I think it's really hard with everything coming at us. So much noise, but there's so much wisdom. And I think people here this week have felt that there's so much, all of it, the wisdom is inside of us. It's not me giving any wisdom to anybody. It's just creating space. And when people have space, they find their own wisdom. Everyone has their own. And it is happening. I mean, we've seen Mm -hmm. that time and time again this week. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's a mini awakening. And I think we're all in, in need of that in some way. Yeah. Coming out of this, it's, we're coming back out into the world where the world looks different. It's not going to return to the before. And so we have to, we have to make peace with that and then find our way forward, um, both in connection, but also as individuals. I'm glad you said connection because um, I think if you are going to make the declaration to begin healing yourself, um, which doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you per se, by the way, like it just means every human has healing work to do. So don't think that you're like, well, but none of my friends are healing. Why am I the messed up one? It's like, no, we all have healing work. You're just making the declaration to face it and to look at it. But I do think we need like-minded people, friends, you know, support, yes. uh, encouragement. And that's the power of a week like that we're on is that you have 35 people on board with like, yeah, we're all in this together. We're going to help each other. But if you're at home, there is someone, you might not know them yet, but they might be your neighbor who wants to walk every morning or they might be a coworker who's actually interested in taking a meditation class with you. But I do think um, if you 
feel like you're mostly surrounded by toxic friends, toxic family members, it can be more challenging. It's like the crabs in the bucket as you try to crawl out of the bucket to, yeah. <laughs> to, to get healthier, they pull you back down. So I think it's really key to find some helpful others that will walk the path with you that you can um, keep going back to for encouragement. Um, because yeah, toxic people don't want you to get better because that's, you're a mirror to them. And if you're getting better, it means they can get better and they might not be ready for it yet. So, so we do need community, I believe. I I totally agree. We're already, as we kind of close out this week, um, hearing buzz about re-entry and, and, um, and so part of that is, you know, having this connection with people, um, and leveraging that. And I know, we all have people in our lives that we recognize are doing that work. And, and, um, and that's where women need to reach out to each other and mm-hmm. support one another and, mm-hmm. and say, yeah, do you want to go to this? This is a meditation mm-hmm. class. I'm really interested in, would you go with me? Yeah. Or um, because women are meant to do things together. I really believe that. Yeah, I think it's I just in our DNA and we're very um, collective. Yes. Yeah. And we've been separated for two years. We have been separated. And, and patriarchy such- wants to separate yes. us as well. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's a great opportunity, I think, to heal together yeah. and to support one another in the journey. And it takes that vulnerability to, to you know, because healing is vulnerable work, mm-hmm. right? To be able to have conversations with people about, I'm really struggling. I had a very vulnerable moment yesterday. So as the teacher, I'm leading us through, a, a you know, a, a class and I just felt all this grief start to rise up to the surface for me. And there was a part of me, the teacher part of me that was like, get your shit together. Yep. Get your shit together. Hold it together. Come on. And then there's this other part of me that was like, wait a second. What I've been asking of all of these people this week is to feel and to allow things to come up and to allow the tears to flow. And I have to walk my talk right now. And so I let myself ugly cry and I let myself snot all over my yoga mat. And, um, and it was okay, right? Yes. And I think it was people appreciate very it. humanizing, right? Everyone saw like, we're all in this together. There's not one of us that's, has it all you know, has out. it, no, no one has it all figured out, right? No. Yeah, and that's what we can be for one another. Yeah, I agree. Holding space for one another. And the final thing that I want to share today is that this idea of seven generations, and I know this has, I believe this sometimes has been talked about in indigenous cultures. I learned about this from my teacher, um, Dr. Deepak Chopra, but he says, when one of us heals, we will heal seven generations back and we will heal seven generations forward. So we're basically, if we agree, again, if we make that commitment, that dedication to our own personal healing, we're basically healing backwards. We're healing, you know, what's come before us, which you can get kind of like, can feel like a very confusing mind warp to think about that, but we're healing the, the DNA, the lineage, right? So if there's been abuse in your lineage, there's been alcoholism in your lineage, there's been numbing in your lineage. There's been toxic positivity in your lineage. There's been, you know, whatever it is, when you heal it, you stop that from going forward into those future generations. 
So I do also think this is how the world starts to heal is that when one of us makes a decision, we're healing backwards, we're healing forwards, the ripples go out, us showing up in a different vibration and a healthier body and mind at work, heals our workplace, right? Yes. Us having a kind word for the guy behind the the register at the grocery store that, you know, lifts him. So it's like, we really, it is this pass it forward ripple effect that I do believe is how this planet is going to come back into balance. I do too. And I have hope for that. I do too. I'm not giving up on it. Yay. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Beth. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.